Hello and welcome ladies and gentlemen to a brand new video today. Today, obviously, we're going to be talking driver rivalries once again, Hamilton versus Rosberg. And I've been looking forward to this one, I tell you folks, because this one, well, it's certainly the biggest driver rivalry in recent memory for a lot of people. So, given how... I guess, big this driver rivalry is, you can't really, um, you know, get bigger than this, I don't think. And considering how recent it is, I think, you know, it's one of the best um, out there overall. Now, usually, okay, um, before we compare rivalries, I like to start with a bit of F1 background. Let's first start with Nico, then we'll come on to Lewis. Nico entered F1 in 2006 with Williams. His first teammate was Mark Webber, and Mark Webber outpaced the young German driver. His Williams career could be described as somewhat of a lacklustre, but it wasn't till 2010 did Rosberg become a driver to watch, as he partnered up with Mercedes Schumacher and Ross Braun. During his time in F1, he managed 23 wins, 20 of those during the um, V6 hybrid era, um, 57 podiums and 30 pole positions. Of course, though, most importantly, 2016 F1 World Drivers Champion. Now, let's move on to Lewis Hamilton, give you a bit of background about Lewis. Um, Lewis Hamilton um, so far has won. 83 races, 150 podiums, 87 pole positions. Also, he's world champion six times, 2008, 2014, 2015, um, 2017, 2018. And as of Austin, Texas, the last Grand Prix, um, he became officially the 2019 Drivers' World Champion once again. But with this Drivers' pairing... The nice thing is we've got lots of data to look at. In fact, we've got four years worth of data really to compare. Um, in terms of how competitive one another was or where their ability lays. So let's start with 2013. And it was Lewis Hamilton who came out on top in the drivers. Um, Hamilton finished fourth compared to his teammate who finished sixth. Now, Rosberg actually did um, win one more race than um, Lewis Hamilton. Hamilton won one race compared to Nico, who won two races. But equally, Rosberg had more um, retirements in 2013 and less podiums. The points gap between the two teammates in the initial season together was um, only split by 18 points, which I don't think that much, really. When you think of it, did that really set the tone, really? For the other seasons to follow, 18 points, you know, Lewis must have thought, okay, Rosberg can compete. Um, and sure enough, he did. 2014, though, things were about to get spicy. And this was the first year Mercedes um, dominated Formula 1. Hamilton in 2014 won 11 races compared to Rosberg's five wins. So, Rosberg, the season before, won more races than Hamilton, but... Um, this season, it was the other way around. Hamilton, okay, only won 11 races, so almost double the amount of wins that Rosberg had. 
But Rosberg finished 10 times in second place. As a result, kept the championship alive all the way to Abu Dhabi um, with 17 points, splitting the two drivers in Hamilton's favour going into the last race. Ultimately, Hamilton won, but only because arguably Rosberg had a reliability issue, which meant no matter what, Rosberg's, well, Rosberg was defenceless in that last race um, in the championship fight. So effectively... I'm not going to say Hamilton would have won it. Um, sorry, Rosbo would have won it um, if it wasn't for reliability. I don't think he would have. But in terms of the points difference, it would have been a whole lot closer. Because, you know, overall, um, 2014 made Hamilton look like he won it by a country mile. He won it um, by 67 points in the end. Um, but because of the double points, he picked up obviously 50 points. So 50 take um, 67, and that shows you how close they were going into the last actual round of the championship. In a way, I guess it was a good thing that double points didn't ruin the championship outcome to some degree, I guess. Because let's say Hamilton had the DNF, guess what? Um, or didn't finish in points. You know, obviously... Rosberg could have easily won the championship and it made look or it would have made um Hamilton sorry look like he had the better season like as if Rosberg was the better of the two drivers which would have been very very odd in my opinion um so yeah you know overall um you know Rosberg may have came out second best in this scenario but Hamilton didn't come out as maybe as dominant as people would look back on it was a little bit closer in reality like um, even at best, like, I think Hamilton would have picked up, like, 25 points either way. But, you know, um, it would have been still a lot closer. I think it would have only been, like, 40-something points, roughly. If my maths is good, 44 maybe points to split the two. I know that's still a lot, but, you know, it would have been still considerably closer. Now, in 2015, Hamilton won 10 races, but, um, it, interestingly, or... You know, intriguingly, I found Rosberg won six races, which is more than his previous season for Nico Rosberg and less for Hamilton. Only if one race um, win difference, which isn't much, I know, but it's still um, a bit of a difference. But also Mercedes, I think, seemed less dominant. Maybe that was because Ferrari and Red Bull, um, sorry, Ferrari um, and Vettel seemed closer. Maybe there was more mistakes made by... Um, you know, the team, or whatever the case, though, um, I do think there was, if I'm right, there was um, less races, I believe there was 19 races, though, um, this season, if I'm correct, um, which I believe I am, so obviously that could be part of the reason um, why, but as I say, um, overall, you know, Again, 2015, Hamilton really just dominated Rosberg, I think, in 2015. And even though I think they were closer in terms of maybe number of sheer wins, Rosberg, you know, had more wins than previous season. But I felt like 2014, he could string a couple of wins together. Whereas this season, they were more dotted out. And I think that was the difference. Whereas, Ros and whereas Hamilton was a bit more consistent throughout the entirety of the season. Um, so, yeah, you know, 2015 for me, you know, Hamilton totally deserved that championship overall. Same with 2014, really. I wouldn't say no one else apart from Hamilton really deserved it. Maybe Rosberg would have deserved it if he did a little bit better in parts of the season. But otherwise, no, I think Hamilton deserved both 2014 and 2015. And then we come to 2016, Rosberg's only title winning season. Um, 
Rosberg won nine races compared to Hamilton's ten race wins. Um, but Rosberg essentially made a great start to the season, had a bit of problems mid-season, but bounced back um, phenomenally after the summer break. Okay, I will say Hamilton did seemingly suffer more reliability um, issues during 2016 than Rosberg, but isn't that a part of F1? You know, ain't you know F1 about you know um, the whole package throughout the year, not just one race. Um, and I think that's really what Rosberg had the whole package throughout the year. Overall, you know, he did the better job of the two drivers, in my opinion, as well. You know, because. You know, when he got to Japan, I think he had, like, a 32-point lead, if I'm correct. And he only had, like, you know, to really finish second in the last four races. And he did that. He did what he needed to do. And, you know, fair enough on him. He won the championship. Maybe he could have won by more points. Maybe, um, you know, could have easily lost it equally. Um, and maybe, you know, he should have won by less points. Who knows? Maybe it should have been closer than that, than five points. But I think, you know, Rosberg did deserve this championship overall. You know, I couldn't say he didn't. So during their four years together, Rosberg won 22 races compared to Hamilton, who won 31 races. So overall, they're both actually evenly matched. Only nine races splits the pair. In wins, as I say, it's for sure more Hamilton, but Rosberg isn't far behind. Secondly, from 2014 to 2016, so I'm not talking about during the entire four years, um, Rosberg scored 45 podiums compared to Hamilton, who scored 50 podiums during the same period. So only five podiums was the difference between the two. Just shows how consistent they were as, um, I guess, a pairing. Um, you know, obviously, 31 of those podiums for Hamilton, okay, were first place. 12 of those were second place. Um, and third of those, or sorry, seven of those were third place. Um, and for Rosberg, well, 20 of those were first, 22 were second, and only three were third places. So Hamilton did actually finish third time, um, sorry, third, third time, third um, more often. So taking that last spot on the podium a few more times than Rosberg, only marginally. But Rosberg actually um, clinched 10 more second-place podiums than Hamilton um, more often. So, yeah, you know, it's a real interesting one, actually, um, overall. So what can I conclude, um, you know, from this, really? Well, it's difficult to conclude, I always say, because, you know, arguably, whilst you can make, I think, here, again, another argument for Rosberg, you know, ran an argument for Hamilton. But I think, you know, overall, let's be fair. Okay, I feel Hamilton was certainly better, but how, but, sorry, but by how much? Well, I wouldn't say it's as big as people think. Everyone, when they will look back on it, maybe reflect on it truly, everyone will say, actually, Rosberg was a good driver. Um, is he up there maybe with Schumacher, with Hamilton, or with the greats of the sport? No, probably not. He will never be remembered as that because he achieved, well, I guess little compared to other drivers during his tenure as um, a Formula 1 driver. But he did match the best on the grid. And that is essential. Um, you know, he managed to match and beat, in fact, beat the best driver in the world currently today. Could he do it again? I don't know. I wouldn't like to say so. Um, and I wouldn't like to predict what would be the outcome of Hamilton and Rosberg as of 2019. Would Hamilton still have, you know, six world championships? Or would Rosberg, you know, maybe 
dominate Formula 1. You know, who knows where that could have all ended up. And I think, you know, because, you know, Rosberg left where he left in his Formula 1 career, he didn't leave as necessarily someone who should have retired then and there. He left as someone who actually could have been around today. Um, He's only 34 years old, let's not forget. So he could be racing today, but chose not to. So he went out on, I guess you could say, a high, um, rather than, you know, suffer more seasons of the same battle. He just went out on a high, which is fair enough. I think, you know, that's a fair point for Rosberg to go out where he did. You know, I accept it, you know, and I think many should accept it. But, as I say, I think it was only marginal, the rivalry they had. You know, I don't think, you know, Hamilton really, you could say, dominated Rosberg in every sector of every lap. In fact, quite the opposite, one would argue. But, Hamilton was still, I feel, a more complete package year on, year out. And I think that's the thing. Rosberg, you sense, you know... He wasn't quite maybe there yet in 2014 and 2015. He just had to get one more ingredient to click. And he did that in 2016. Um, You know, and Rosberg, to get to Lewis Hamilton's level, had to go up the gears, um, double what Hamilton really needed, if that makes sense. So as a more natural talent, I think Hamilton is a more natural talent, but I must say, very impressive stats from Rosberg as well during his time at Mercedes. You can't deny, like, 50 podiums, um, sorry, 45 podiums during his years at Mercedes during the V6 era is incredible. Absolutely incredible. And to win 20 races during the V6 era, he's the second most successful driver of all time in the V6 era. Let's not forget that. And Vettel is third. Hamilton's first by... Now, quite a long way. But as I say, you know, really in truth, okay, Hamilton, as I say, I do think he is the more natural talent. Would Who would I pick out of Rosberg and Hamilton? My heart says, you know, I wouldn't mind Rosberg, you know, so long he was a reasonable price. But overall, paying out the big bucks, I'd go for Hamilton any day of the week, if that makes sense. Um, because, yeah, Hamilton certainly, overall, you know, is, I think, the better driver. Even back in 2016, comparing Hamilton-Rosberg, you know, I think Hamilton was a better driver, but Rosberg could evenly match, um, you know, Hamilton quite evenly. Um, So, yeah, you know, overall, um, that's my opinion on it. So, um, I hope you've obviously enjoyed this podcast, where, obviously... I've told you, obviously, about Rosberg and Hamilton. It was an awesome rivalry to watch. I must say, probably one of the best I've ever watched in Formula 1 overall. There's been some pretty good rivalries, but this must be, in terms of what I've watched, I'm only 19 years old, so I'm, I guess, a baby to Formula 1. But, you know, the point is, you know, from what I've watched, this has to be, my favourite rivalry of all time so far, like, in terms of what I've seen. Um, you know, obviously, I know about the Prost-Senna, relate, um, well, relationship, rivalry, I meant to say. I know about that rivalry, but I weren't there witnessing that rivalry. Um, I've only witnessed, I'd say I've witnessed maybe two or three rivalries. Um, Hamilton, Alonso, um, 
Vettel, Alonso, Vettel, Weber, Rosberg, um, Hamilton, and to some extent, Hamilton, Vettel. These other rivalries I've witnessed, okay? Um, I haven't obviously witnessed any other rivalries, but overall, I have to conclude that Hamilton was the better driver. Hello and welcome, ladies and gentlemen, back to a second, I guess, podcast of the day. Well, it is the second podcast of the day. Um, And obviously, F1 2019 is almost over. So this series will be a two-part series, um, I guess. Um, So I'm just going to do it in two episodes, um, effectively. Um, First, we'll start off with the worst drivers. And then in the second part, come back for the best drivers, obviously. Um, you know, in a way, I guess you could guess my top 10 drivers, um, after this episode, but, you know, obviously find out which order they'll be in. But anyway, neither here or there. Let's talk about the worst drivers of 2019, um, on the F1 grid. So let's start off with number 20, Robert Kubica. Now, in my opinion, Robert Kubica's return to Formula One, yes, I think it's an amazing story. It's an amazing comeback. Okay, and I respect that. You know, I really, really do. Um, you know, overall. But does he have it anymore? And you've got to be real with yourself. Most of the time, he's more or less the last on the grid. Um, you know, he's rarely outperforming his teammate during the races. So, with all them facts, you know, that he's not doing the job on track. You know, it's just, for me, not good enough. And, you know, you'd at least expect, maybe, I don't know, four sessions each year, maybe where each driver would dominantly outperform each other. And you haven't got that with this rivalry. You haven't really got anything with it. In fact, you don't even have the circumstance where, you know, Kibitz is anywhere really close to what his teammate's ability is. It's just really a dominant um, one-sided of the garage situation with Kibitza. And Kibitza, unfortunately, is on the wrong end of, I guess, the stick, should I say. Um, So, yeah, for me, it's just not good enough for Kibitza. And that's why he's number 20. Number 19, Gio Venazzi. Now, right, look, here's where I lay on Gio Venazzi. In the recent races, he's impressed me. Okay, I highly actually think now, actually, he could make this work. It just depends on him. But I think he needs next season to really show his worth if he wants to remain in Formula 1 for, I don't know, the next five years at least, or the more nearer future for a good period. Is he going to make a step up to a top-tier team? Probably not anytime soon, no. Could he ever do so? I'm not too sure. But, okay, I do think that in recent races, he's now starting to match his teammate, beat his teammate, and that shows to me a bit of development. And if he's developing as a driver, fine, give him time. Okay, give him the time he needs. And he's been retained for 2020, that's confirmed. So, overall, you need to give him time, time to breathe, and really get his 
feet embedded at Alfa Romeo. And if he's now starting to do that, fair enough on Giovinazzi. It may have taken him time, but at least he got there. And that, I think, is a point. He still needs to perform. He, I think, needs better results, okay, still. But I'm willing to give him time so long he starts performing at least next year, sooner rather than later. And I want to see a good start to next year. I don't want to just see, you know, the same as this year, a poor start to the season, been easily out qualified and outraced by his teammate and then a better second half because to me that would be no good second or second sorry 18th Lance Stroll now I'm not gonna lie I'm no fan of Lance Stroll I don't really rate Lance Stroll I think he's slow but he's only slow in qualifying during the race he seems to be okay it's very, very odd with Lance Stroll. I can't rate him any higher than 18th because I do think there's better drivers in the qualifying and the race, okay? And I'm going to mention them in a minute, okay, them drivers and who they are. But I can't really rate him any lower than, um, sorry, 18th. That's 17th, Lance Stroll, so I'm going to come back to 18th. Um, but yeah, sorry, 17th, last draw, as I was saying. Um, I can't really rate him any lower than 17th because there are better drivers out there than, you know, um, stroll, but as I was saying, I think you know during the race he's okay, he gets along well, but during qualifying he seems to struggle. And I think if he can just tune that out, he could be actually a decent driver overall, and could be a lot higher up on this list um, in years to come. But right now, I think seventeenth is very fair reflection of Lance Stroll. Um, I don't think you know I could rate him any higher or any lower. Coming back to eighteenth, um, Gasly. So eighteenth is Gasly. Um, I know I should have done it 18th and 17th, but oh well, I've got. Um, so yeah, Gasly, dismal season um, overall. Really, really disappointed in Gasly. Um, yeah, overall, personally, myself. Okay, the Red Bull drop may influence me to rate him a bit lower than what I probably should. But I have to take that into consideration, his Red Bull career. Because he did have time at Red Bull. He had the same car equal or equal equipment to really what his teammate had. Maybe his teammate had preferential treatment, yes. But ain't it Gasly's job to go into the team and make that work? It's not Verstappen's job to slow down for the sake of showing Gasly's qualities. No, it's Gasly's job to speed up and to make it work. And Gasly, for me, didn't do that. Obviously, I think, you know, let's be honest. Who else could Red Bull really put in there for the start of the season? They had no other option but to go with Gasly or Brendan Hartley. They couldn't keep Ricardo because Ricardo was going. They couldn't instantly promote, um, you know, obviously Alex Albon because Alex Albon, well, was sort of like a last minute option. And they couldn't really also, um, you know, re-promote Kvyat because he had a year out of Formula 1 really. So... They were left no option but to promote Gasly. They saw Gasly's class. It wasn't good enough. Since he's returned to Toro Rosso, he's been a bit more convincing and he's moving up slowly. But since also then, like, you know, I've, well, that first half of the season wasn't good enough for me. And personally, um, I think, you know, he's going to struggle to get back in that Red Bull seat. So, yeah, for me, I can't really put him any higher than 18th. Number um, 16, I know we've done this a bit weird, but yeah, number 16, we're now back on track, Grosjean. Now, Grosjean, 
he seemingly does have good races and or some good races and some good qualifyings, but not enough of it for me. He's made some silly errors, in my opinion. Um, too much complaining on the team radio. And for me, it's not nice. To be a Formula 1 fan, sitting at home, you're watching this man, you know, he's making so many errors, um, you know, and complaining on the radio. It's just not enjoyable to watch, really. Um, yes, I do think he's a good driver. I actually think he's one of the better experienced drivers on the grid. And in terms of the way he develops a car, he does know how to develop a car. Um, he's shown it with Lotus. I think he's shown it with Haas. But this year, especially, he's been a bit difficult to manage at times. And I think, you know, that's a problem for me with Grosjean right now. If he was a bit more easier to manage, okay, a bit more sensible, okay, I would rate him a lot higher, okay, not like massively high, I wouldn't be anywhere near, you know, well, I wouldn't say he'd be anywhere near the top five or top ten, but he would be maybe a bit higher, maybe 12th or 14th, somewhere between them two positions, okay, um, but otherwise, yeah, I can't really rate him too high, but I can't rate him too low, because I do know the qualities he's got, I've seen him, I've witnessed it, and therefore, I can't really rate him lower than the rest because I don't think he's worse than the rest I've just mentioned from Kibitza to Stroll. I don't think he's worse than them drivers, really. So, yeah. Um, 15th is um, Kevin Magnussen. So, yeah, with Kevin, again, very similar to Grosjean. I think really just copy and paste what I've just said, really. Um, I do know he's got raw talent. In fact, I think overall, if I was the two drivers, you know, raw talent-wise, I think Magnussen's better. But um, sensibility-wise, I think Grosjean should be better. And realistically, we've seen none of that this year. We've seen quite the opposite um, and a bit of differing, really, from the driver pair. But yeah, overall, you know, who would I rate higher um, out of the two, personally? Just turning on my light, by the way, in my landing. Personally, um, I wouldn't rate, obviously, Magnussen too much higher, again, once again, than Grosjean. If this was a normal season, which clearly it isn't for these two, again, as I say, I'd probably rate Magnussen higher. Maybe you could creep into the top 10. Maybe, but he'd be certainly no higher than probably ninth or 10th. And at the lowest, it'd be no lower, in my opinion, than 12th or 13th. But this season, he's certainly only performed to the level of a 15th best driver. Number 14, and Danny Kvyat. And actually, quite a comeback, in my opinion. Um, he had that podium in Germany. He's picked up decent point scores here and there. And realistically, I think that's quite nice to see. The last two races... Is the torpedo back? I'm not too sure. Because um, he's made some just silly errors, in my opinion. Um, and trust me, they were silly, in my opinion. But, at the same time, okay, having said that he's made some silly errors, he's also done very good or raced well in races. And he seemingly has had better, um, well, a better year overall this year. Is it maybe he just felt a bit more good, you know, in terms of he's back now in the Formula 1. He felt a bit more fresh. Um, 
Did he learn anything at Ferrari? Been that Ferrari um, reserve driver and being the Ferrari, um, obviously, um, test simulator driver. Did he learn anything there? Um, and, yeah, as he said, he came back. He said in Germany he's a changed man. But is he a changed man? I don't know. I think, you know, I'm wanting to see more. Okay? I'm not entirely convinced. But, don't get me wrong, so far he's certainly proven to a degree that he's certainly a lot more smarter intelligent racer and quicker to some extent next we come on to Kimi Raikkonen and yes um he's only 40 years old but he's still got it clearly um look I couldn't rank Raikkonen in the top 10 okay because really I think he's just doing what the car could do I don't think he's doing anything more. I don't think he's outperforming the car. I don't think Raikkonen is necessarily doing anything like maybe anyone else couldn't do. I think that would get similar results, if not better results, than Raikkonen if he was at that Alfa Romeo um, team. And I think so would Hamilton. I think them two drivers would get better results. So I don't think he's outperforming the car. I just think he's doing what they could do. Again, he's shown good pace at times. Um, you know... Overall, I think he's done very, very well, especially in the first half of the season. Second half of the season, it's been a bit mixed, I would say. He's had a bit of mixed fortunes, but overall, he's done a good job, I think, for Alfa Romeo. Um, and if I was Frederick Vasseur, I would be very, very proud of Raikkonen. Um, in terms of what he's done during 2019, I'd say, well done, Raikkonen, you deserve where you've earned, you've earned your money um, this year, and yeah, overall, I wouldn't be too disappointed, in terms of why he's at Alpha, I think he's just at Alpha because I think he's got interest maybe in buying into the Alpha project as an ambassador, but I also think um, as well, obviously, Kimi um, wants to sort of help Alpha out a little bit to try and get them back to maybe a bit more better days. That's if so long they're committing to Formula 1 for long-term rather than short-term. Next, we come now into our final two in terms of this first part. Um, number um, 12 is George Russell. Now, George Russell, in my opinion, even though he's in one of the backmark cars, okay, I think he actually he's been a phenomenal driver this season overall. Look how he's qualifying dominance over Robert Kvitsa. Race performance over Kibitza. Phenomenal. Um, and quite frankly, he's shown, even though most of the time he's never displayed on TV, he has shown really, really good um, signs of a good young driver. And I like that. He's got a great personality overall. I really like that personality. Um, yeah, you know, overall, he's a decent driver. Um, and as a all-round driver, I think... You know, he's the underdog in all of this. You know, overall, out of all the young generation drivers, he is the real underdog driver because I think he does have talent. And for him, it's a shame he's at the back of the grid. But if he can just learn it now, okay, and he can start performing in this Williams, which he currently is, he'll only get better when he goes and gets that opportunity probably with Mercedes. Um... And yeah, you know, overall, I think George is a good driver and I can't wait to see him if he ever does get into a top-tier car. I think he will be one to look out for. And finally, 
Um, number 11th. Um, look, I've been a bit maybe harsh here, but I can't fit them all into the top 10. It's Nico Hulkenberg. Look, yes, Nico Hulkenberg has been good. I think he's been actually, I wouldn't say on a par with Ricardo, but he's certainly been able to match Ricardo at times. And he's shown why, in my opinion, he should have been kept for 2020. But Renault's chosen to go with a different driver, with Esteban Ocon, for 2020. And fair enough to them. They've chosen what they've chosen to do. And you have to respect that. But, okay, having said all that, I don't think he's the worst out of the drivers I've mentioned. I do think, you know, other drivers that are on the grid currently are slightly better than him, you know, overall. But, as I say, he's probably the best out of all those that I mentioned. He's certainly got a raw pace. He's a raw, natural driver, in my opinion. He's a great driver. And, no doubt, he'll be, um, you know, missed highly in the F1 paddock. It does look like now that, you know... Well, it looks like he won't be um, in F1 next year. Um, And probably his final season in Formula 1 overall, because I don't really see him, um, obviously, getting any other drives, I don't see him going to Red Bull, I think that's out of the question now, I honestly think, you know, it's between either Kvyat and Albon, in my opinion, could Gasly get back in Red Bull, I doubt it, in my opinion, why would Gasly get back after you've dropped him in the summer, um, which is, you know, well, less than half a season ago, so, in my opinion, overall, really, I can't really say that it feels like it's a bit early for him to be departing for Hulkenberg, in my opinion. But I still think he's a quality driver. I think he's one of the best midfield drivers. And as you can see, I've put him at 10th, well, more or less 11th place or 10th place, whichever way you want to put it. You know, he's the best of the drivers in this first part, I guess, um, out of all of them. But in the second part, obviously, he's the worst out of, I guess, all of them, if you know where I'm coming from. But, yeah, as I say, um, you know, he's the best out of all of them in this first part, you know. So, yeah, overall, I do think, you know, obviously, Gasly, um, sorry, Hulkenberg is probably the best driver out of all of them. And I just feel it's a bit early he's leaving. But, oh, well, we have to move on. We're getting new drivers in Formula 1 anyway. Um, next season, most likely. Obviously, there's still a seat at Williams, which hasn't been confirmed yet, so let's not count our chickens. But I think we can be fairly confident that it won't be Hulkenberg. So, thank you for watching. Until the next time, folks, I hope you've enjoyed this, not review, but I guess review of who's the best drivers on Formula 1 next time. I will be, obviously, doing part number two. I'll probably do it after this video. Split up into two parts for you. So you go listen to that now um, after you've watched or listened to this one. See you soon. Hello and welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to episode number three for series one of this Driver Rivalries series. And in today's episode, we will be discussing Damon Hill versus Michael Schumacher. Now, you may be saying... Why choose these two um, rivals? Because really, 
Isn't there just one winner here, Michael Schumacher? Well, actually, no. This, in my opinion, was one of the sweetest and but shortest lived rivalries I think you could ever witness. Okay, because, you know, it was literally that, sweet and short, or short and sweet, whichever way around you want to say it. Schumacher was and is to this day known as the GOAT, greatest of all time. Damon Hill, on the other hand, may not have as much success, but he was Schumacher's biggest rival from 1994 to 1996. Twice Michael came out on top, but doesn't mean he always deserved to. But before we discuss further, let's speak about um, the success of both drivers and the history. Schumacher started in a 308 Grand Prix and won 91 of those, driving for four teams, Jordan, Benetton, Ferrari, and then came back in 2010 to join Mercedes. He had two spells in F1 from 1991 to um, to 2006, and then from 2010 to 2012. He won seven championships in 1994, um, 1995, 2000, 2001, 2002, 2003, and 2004. He earned 155 podiums, 68 pole positions, and 77 fastest laps. But the period I want to focus on um, is from 1994 to 1996. Damon Hill, um, on the other hand, was in F1 from 1992 to 1999. Damon joined four teams as well. Um, Brabham, Williams, Arrows and Jordan. All his success really came at one of those four, um, which was Williams, of course. He won 22 races out of 122 entries, 42 podiums, 20 pole positions and 19 fastest laps. So even though Damon may have not been a successful over, let's say, a long period of time, his career was only no more than six years long, but a great record, really, when you think of it. You know, 22 wins, 42 um, podiums. That is still a still, um, really, really good achievement. But now let's focus on the period I want to focus for. Right. Let's start in 1994, shall we? This is when the Damon Hill rivalry really, I could say, truly began. Damon and Schumacher was in or fighting for the title throughout the entire season. And it came down to the wire um, of the last race of the year. One point separating the two drivers. Schumacher did win. Okay, and I do want to mention this. Majority of races, eight victories compared to Damon's six victories, but Damon managed to finish more frequently on the podium. In the last round of the championship, Schumacher went into Damon, taking both himself and his rival out of the championship, meaning Schumacher would end up winning the title due, you could say, to default. Schumacher, despite missing out on two races, however, Italy and Portugal, and despite being disqualified from also two other races, Britain and Belgium, still managed to win his maiden championship. So, really, 1994, even though it was close, I think we can conclude 
Schumacher, if he wasn't disqualified maybe from Brazil, I'm sorry, from Belgium and from Britain, and if he ended up racing in Italy and Portugal, probably would have won the title by more points rather than just a one mere point. So Schumacher, yes, did probably earn the championship to that degree, but what made it controversial was that last race, really. Now, whose fault was it? Was it Schumacher? Was it Damon? In my opinion, I don't really want to say. Yonboard footage does suggest, in my opinion, Schumacher crashed into Damon, which is pretty clear. But then Schumacher, the corner before, did also crash prior to that. Did Schumacher have any, let's say, damage to his suspension and to his car? You know, that is the question I think we would all um, really and truly would like to know. Will we ever find out? I really would like to know. I probably doubt it because, you know, Damon, well, why would you come out and snitch on your own, let's say, player? It doesn't make sense, if you know what I mean. It's just stupid. But at the end of the day, don't get me wrong, okay, Damon Hill, if he did win that championship, I think would have deserved it equally because he did pop a good, good fight um, with Schumacher all year long. Um, and yeah, you know, really to be both going for their first title, you know, really was incredible to witness. 1995, well, if the 1994 was edged by Michael Schumacher, then 1995 was dominated by Michael Schumacher. Um, the German driver won... Um, nine races that year, won by a comfortable 33 points over his classic rival, Damon Hill again. Damon equally didn't win as many races either, only managing to win four Grand Prix, but this was comfortably ahead of his teammate, David Coulthard. And really, with 1995, I think, you know, this was the first real season we saw the true capability of Michael in terms of what he could do on the circuit you know, his pure racing instinct. Um, yeah, this was the season, I would say, was Michael's season to show his class, his skill. And he did just that, in my opinion. He did show his class, he did show his skill, and he came out on top. Now, we move on to 1996. And this time, it was Damon coming out the best of the two drivers. As... um. Schumacher firstly made the swap for Ferrari. Now, was that Ferrari a title championship winning Ferrari or a Ferrari that could challenge for the title? Probably not, no. But Schumacher did drag it to, um, obviously, third place behind Jax Villeneuve, of course. Um, and again, you know, both drivers won multiple races, but it was Damon who... Um, dominated 1996 by winning eight races also on his way, funny enough. Schumacher won his um, his championship through winning eight races, and Damon won his first championship through winning eight races, funny enough. I find that a bit coincidence. But, you know, you know, he won eight races on his way to his maiden championship, Damon, and after two years of continuous trying, he eventually um, prevailed and... I'm not going to say came out on top, but he 
came out at the end of it with um, some memories, let's say. Schumacher and Hill, though. The thing that I think about their rivalry, even though it was a rivalry, I think they took it very seriously, both of the guys. But they went deeper than this. At heart, whilst they were great rivals, great competitors, they both have a great respect for one another. In fact, to show this respect, you know, or to sort of give you an example of it, Schumacher told Hill when he won the championship, enjoy it. Which I think is really, really nice. And he didn't just say it, enjoy it as a sarcastic way, you know, but he actually meant it, if that makes sense. He, you know, said it from the bottom of his heart, enjoy it, you know, from the bottom of his heart. He was proud to watch Damon Hill win the championship, which I think is a really, really nice touch. Um, You know, from one driver to another to show that respect. Whilst they were rivals fighting so hard for three championships, because they did effectively fight for three championships, as I said, they both had the greatest of respects for one another. So, finally, we've got to conclude now, who's better? Schumacher or Hill? For me, it's Schumacher. Schumacher just had it all. He had something special compared to Hill. Hill was good, and probably Schumacher's toughest rival, in my opinion, uh, but Hill was still no match, in my opinion, for Schumacher. Schumacher was unbelievable compared to his other rivals' competition. I think Schumacher had the complete package, if that makes sense. But Hill, you know, on his day, given the right circumstances, given the right foreseen future, he could get the job done and deliver in, I think, incredible fashion. So, yeah, you know, that is the rivalry between Schumacher and Hill, of course. As I say, it was a very short rivalry. It didn't last for many years, only three years. It never even really had many years prior to that, really, if we think of it. You know, Really, 1994 was actually just out of a sudden the first real rivalry between these two drivers. Um, Was it maybe my favourite rivalry ever? No, of course not. I'll never claim it was. In fact, probably my favourite rivalry ever, well, it's a really tough one. I'd say, you know, Vettel and Weber is up there. You know, Rosberg and Hamilton is certainly up there as well. And obviously, Alan Pross and Senna you know, is up there as well in terms of my favourite rivals. But where does this fit in? This fits in, obviously, quite great. Um, You know, overall, it, to me, fits in up there with some of the best rivalries I think Formula 1's ever witnessed, but for different reasons. And it's not just, you know, the sense they hated one another's guts, they wanted to sort of beat each other up and humiliate each other on track... No, it wasn't that. What it was, actually, was something else. They both had respect for one another, respect for what one another was doing in their careers. They both enjoyed one another succeeding. And that was nice to see. And that's how I would describe it. You know, they both enjoyed one another's success. And I think they understood that, you know, where each other was. I think Damon understood where Schumacher was. 
and Schumacher understood where Damon was. And that is, I think, why the relationship between Hill and Damon, sorry, between Hill and Damon, between Hill and Schumacher was where it ended up. It never ended up like, you know, a bitter rivalry. It was just a rivalry for wins and for podiums and for championships. And they both um, had great success. Don't get me wrong, there were moments at times, you know, like obviously, as I say, the um, 1994 championship decider in Australia, I think it was Adelaide, um, they used to race, if I'm correct. But, you know, they both you know, had some moments at times, there were occasions between them, but, as I say, they still kept a good relationship, um, and yeah, overall, I think they, um, deserved to fight for these championships, so, thank you for, obviously, listening to this, obviously, third episode Come back next week, we'll be doing a fourth episode. I'll probably make this a five-episode series, okay? So that means there'll be two more rivalries that I'll do, um, by the way. Um, maybe I might do also a future follow-up series as well. I don't know. That's still obviously um, debatable. But obviously, this is um, obviously the end of today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it. If you have, obviously... Then many thanks, obviously, for listening. I hope you enjoy all the um, episodes, all these rivalries that we will discuss. Um, You know, this series, obviously. Um, And, yeah, I hope you will come back for next time when I will probably, well, I think, yeah, next time it'll be Mark Webber versus Vettel, that rivalry. We'll talk about how that rivalry developed over the years right away from 2000. Well, right the way from when it began, really. Um, So, yeah, see you all next time.